At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 prevented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the greatest of all time of NBA Mock Drafts Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite teams throughout the week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Nate here. Before we get started, I wanted to apologize again for kind of the tinny audio quality on some of this. We're trying to simulcast on Spotify Greenroom, and unfortunately, their software that allows you to record from your desktop is not working, so we have to use two separate systems to record and that means that it's hard for me to monitor the audio quality on the podcast, but we are going to get that figured out in the future. Most of it should be okay, but again, uh, apologies that it's not up to the level that I would like it to be, but hopefully you can still enjoy the content nonetheless. All right, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. Glad to have all of you here on Green Room as well. And John and I tried to exchange pleasantries, but then we had some audio issues, so we had to restart recording. So we're not going to do that this time. We're just going to talk a little bit about what's going on, how we're feeling heading into the draft. So let's begin here by talking about this New Orleans-Memphis trade. And the biggest thing that I noticed about it was something that you wrote about as well, which is this is kind of the opposite of the way these trades usually go yeah when you consider that memphis uh finished seven games ahead of new orleans last year and finished ahead them the year before too and made the playoffs last year so they're the ones that are being kind of patient and opportunistic and taking the draft capital and new orleans is the one who's kind of rushing in win now mode uh positioning themselves for a possible run at a 35-year-old Kyle Lowry. So it's it seems very upside down that way. Well, so I, I guess this is what maybe it hasn't been talked about that much is there's this feeling that, you know, maybe this is kind of fraught for New Orleans, that they're just repeating the mistakes of the Anthony Davis era, though worth noting that they obviously have more picks and assets still uh, available. And also that Zion is a different kind of player than AD. I think you can argue maybe that he'll peak a little bit earlier and he also uh, seems kind of unhappy there. But uh, I mean, if you're David Griffin, like, is this the right approach? Like, is this what they should be doing? Do you think he's doing this just to save his job? Is this moral hazard at this point? Or is, is this the right move? So, there's an element of that, I think, uh, especially when you talk about like a Lowry pursuit, which seems a very short-termy move for a team who's, you know, maybe a couple years away from, from really being what they might be. Uh, they they do need to do something and you need to like you need to try to win, right? And they do have they do have a lot of draft capital in future years from the Davis and Holiday trades. So they're still in a position of strength as as far as their future assets go. Um 
I, I just wonder about using those assets. I mean, it's basically you're you're doing a you're giving up draft picks in a sign and trade for the right to overpay an old player, right? That that's what you're doing. And probably saying goodbye to Lonzo Ball at, at the same time. So in the, in from that context, I, I don't love it for New Orleans. You know, I, I think if it were a situation where they were they weren't necessarily trading for cap space, where they're trading for a younger player who's under contract. I, I mean, ironically, something along the lines of what they did the first time around with Drew Holiday in the Dell Dumps era, you know, getting a player like that in right now, I think would make a lot of sense because they wouldn't be forfeiting kind of all of their draft assets and high picks. Now the price has gone up on getting those sorts of players, obviously, but and or if there were a slightly younger free age even you know if it was a 29 or 30 year old kyle lowry you know someone where it's like okay this guy's gonna be good for the next three or four years like we feel pretty good about that we need to take a step forward and we need to at least get into the playoffs we weren't on that path realistically and we still have assets you know even even it's like a 32 year old kyle lowry uh, although lowry has aged incredibly well uh, already to get to 35 and still be as effective as he is you know i don't think you would have known that about him at 32 that's why uh, he, you know he only got a three-year contract. I think when he was 31, um, you know his market wasn't as robust as he expected. So yeah, I, I think just the fact that he's 35, if that's really who they're going to get, and by the way, they are going to have to massively overpay to get him. You would think because he's got plenty of suitors. I mean, it seems like he could, has his pick of the litter among these cap space teams, and I would consider New Orleans yeah. maybe the least appealing destination there. Uh, so they're going to have to make it more appealing with money. Exactly. So they may have to go out on years with him too. You know, to guarantee a third year, uh, which which at that at, at the number he's going to command, I think is a very risky move. Uh, they also, it's going to be interesting to see here with you know, can will they still be able to keep Josh Hart or will they you know will they be able to get any other players in addition to this one guy? Uh, they can generate. 36 37 million in room uh which seems like more than enough to to pay Kyle Lowry but what are you going to have enough left over to either keep hard as a restricted free agent or sign somebody else uh cuz they, they need help on the wings too yeah they do and they need more shooting and the other thing that i didn't care for as much about this trade like i think if you look at it as a pure asset play like i don't think it's that bad in terms of okay here's what it costs to get off the salary like i don't think they paid a huge price to do that but you know Alan Tunis, like really, like, like what does he give them? You know, I think he's probably a downgrade for them defensively. While he's a better offensive player, I you know, and it's some of the spacing issues are alleviated by Zion having the ball now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I still the, the concept of having this big center out there with Zion is still something that I don't really care for. I thought it was hilarious when Woj was tweeting about, oh yeah, these viewed as a a spacing upgrade over Adams. Like, yeah, okay. I mean, have you ever watched the guy shoot a three pointer like? He, you could time his release with a sundial. So uh, I didn't really understand that. I mean, that seemed like it was sort of just directly sent from David Griffin to oh, totally. yeah. Zion's, yeah. Zion's people to be like, hey, see, yeah. see, we we, we yeah. got you more spacing. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? No, it's not more spacing, uh, realistically. So, nah. you know, that part of it too, just like, all right, we're, we're doubling down on a different big center than the one that we already overpaid to get last year who can't shoot. Like, I didn't understand that part of it really either. Yeah, it's, I, I think, 
I think their logic was just that Valanciunas makes $3 million less than Steven Adams. And, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I, I think just the additional cap space was, was maybe a little bit alluring to them. I, I do think Valanciunas is a better player, but I don't think that should have been a significant component of the deal, let's say. Uh, I mean, the, the, the main story is getting off of a future first and moving from 10 to 17 uh, in order to dump Eric Bledsoe's contract, which was a problem. Uh, and, you know, obviously they should have taken George Hill in that Oklahoma City trade instead of instead of Bledsoe. And that's kind of where this all started. So they're kind of using using their draft capital to dig out from the last mistake. And But it almost seems like they're trying to dive as quickly as they can into the next one. Yeah, and if they sign Lowry to a three-year deal at, say, $30 million a pop, and maybe it'll be less than that. Maybe some teams are just more scared by his age than I would think. But usually, you know, when you sign a player like that at that age... You know, and again, like this isn't trading for Chris Paul with two years left on his contract. And lest we forget, Chris Paul was second team All NBA last year. Lowry, I thought, took a little bit of a step back a, a year ago. It was a weird situation in Toronto, but you expect a 35 year old to take a, a step back. So now, you're if you're going to guarantee a third year, does that mean you've got 30 million of Kyle Lowry, 30 million of Brandon Ingram, and then probably 30 million of Zion all kicking in in the 23 24 season? Yes. That's. I, I mean, they can't afford that. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not. There's going to be so, a lot. They, they, I mean, technically they could, but their the rest of the roster will be like twelve Wenyan Gabriels. Yeah. Well, and then because they, they're unlikely to pay the tax, and then who is your team two years from now? Like, yes, I realize that Zion Zion needs to be placated at this point in time, but you know, you would think that he's going to be better at twenty three, twenty four than he is now. And so, like, this is a move that you make. You know, if you're the Heat or you're the Sixers, a team that you feel like can be a championship contender, then okay, go ahead and overpay Cal Lowry in future years to get him this year because you think you can win a championship. Like, they're not winning a championship regardless. Like, I don't care what the Atlanta Hawks or the Phoenix Suns did in signing guys. Like, this was a weird yeah. year. They're not, you know, your odds of getting to where Phoenix or Atlanta got this year are like 2%, even if you sign Lowry, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. How, how many championships did Phoenix and Atlanta win this year? Uh, they, they, Combined for zero, right? Yeah. Well, and I would consider Atlanta's situation particularly aberrational. Like Phoenix was a good team. Like they they were yeah, a team yeah. going. They, they were the two seed. You know, they now they didn't beat a healthy team going through either, and maybe they wouldn't have. But uh, so. Uh, but I mean, making it to the finals, that's like, you know, for the New Orleans Pelicans, like that's pretty good, right? That's a big deal. Uh, yeah. Or, or even yeah, a conference I, I, finals, honestly. Yeah. Like you, I would consider this, if they make a conference finals in the Kyle Lowry era, if that's what happens, I would consider that. So I mean, what do you think the odds are they even get Lowry though? I think they're going to be underdogs. Uh, I think money will talk, but I think, you know, Miami can present a pretty good situation and pretty comparable money, probably. And I think New York, I don't know if he's their prime target, but I think he's definitely on the list. And they obviously have more cap room than anybody. So I, I think it's going to be hard for, for New Orleans to get in there. And then there's going to be some some teams trying to do sign and trades too, obviously. So they're, they're, they're in a tough situation to try to... To, to try to pull that off. Um, and, you know, I I actually like 
one of the other things I've heard about for them uh, quite a bit better, which is if you could do a sign and trade uh, of Lonzo Ball for Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, why did the Pacers want to do that? Just to get younger? Is that the idea? So that that's that's the part that's still hazy for me as well. Um, I mean, I, I like Lonzo Ball. I think I'd, I'd probably rather have Brogdon. And the Pacers are kind of win now-ish. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I struggled like with Indiana's part of that, but there's been enough Brogdon chatter out there that I, you have to wonder if it's at least somewhat legit. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, now, Brogdon's health is obviously a little bit of a concern. I'd say Lonzo has better health there, but you know, at least you're not giving out. I, I think Brogdon gives them a little bit more when healthy as a, a pick and roll player. Do they need a, another pick and roll player? I mean, it's kind of one of those things where like, it would be nice. I guess it, like going into the offseason, I would have characterized their needs as center who can shoot and protect the rim, like sky high, way above anything else that they need. Mm-hmm. Another wing who can shoot probably would have been two. And then playmaker probably would have been three uh, for yeah. me. Um, but, you know, those last two, I think you, you can argue about wh- which one it is. So yeah, they've already obviously failed at, on number one. Uh, their backup center just got arrested today, by the way, and like really horrific sounding circumstances. So that's, yeah, that doesn't sound good. Uh, I guess. So I'm, uh, I'm very curious to see how it works out for these guys. There's always something about this organization too, where they just always seem to be worse than you think they're going to be. I don't know why that is. (laughs) I I mean, it's probably, it's probably not fair to, to put that on them going back for, you know, to 2012, the Anthony Davis era, but. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is some 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 weird some weird voodoo happening there though. That definitely where it's like, okay, you your team looks pretty darn good, but like, how are, how are you 10 games under 500 again? I want to take a quick second to tell you about Sports Business Classroom, which I'm involved again this year. It's August 9th through 14th in Las Vegas. We are embedded in the NBA Summer League. Larry Kuhn came up with the curriculum. There's a salary cap major. There's a scouting and analytics major. There is a media major as well. If you love basketball, if you are trying to break into working in basketball, obviously we can't guarantee anything, but this is your best chance to learn networking skills, learn basketball skills, meet a ton of people, both inside the program and as instructors. Learn how to harness your talent and learn how to make people aware of your talent for basketball. Go to sportsbusinessclassroom.com and then put the familiar code CAPSPACE in the comment box and you can get $200 off as well. Larry Kuhn just went on my podcast, Dunked On, yesterday. If you want some more information about the program, that's sportsbusinessclassroom.com and write CAPSPACE in the comment box to get $200 off. Most protein bars are awful. I like to work out. I've tried basically all of them. And before Built Bar, I'd resigned myself to the idea that they're all going to taste like a rock quarry but now with 18 amazing flavors the improved built bar is even more delicious there's six new flavors caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry bar sia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake apple almond crisp of course there are classics like raspberry peanut butter double chocolate peanut butter brownie the bars are covered in 100 chocolate that makes a huge difference 
By the way, they're soft and easy to chew, but they're still great for the health conscious person. For example, peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Great for a keto diet. And you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store um how'd you feel about this one from memphis's perspective um i thought so one of the things that i've always thought is most important for organizations is honesty in the mirror about where they are and where they're going. Um, and I think that's one of the things we're critiquing here a little bit about New Orleans is that they're maybe not being honest with how far away they are and, and what they need. And I thought for Memphis, this was an honest trade because they un- they understand that they aren't making their big move this year. And so they they took on some money rather than use their cap space on something they didn't really need um, to give themselves more shots at getting another high-level guy. I think they're going to try to trade up again from 10. Um, and next year now they go, they go into the, the next draft with three firsts and they'll probably try to do the same thing. And, you know, just trying to take shots at kind of another to get another big guy uh, around John Morant and, and Jaron Jackson. And that's that's probably the right way to play their hand. Uh, you know, going from Valanciunas to Adams is maybe not great. You know, it's a step back offensively. It's a worse contract. But I think re-signing Valanciunas is actually going to be a little bit of a problem after this year because yeah. his his extension amount is only 15. And I think if he has a good year, he's thinking he can do way better than that. So uh, having, having, you have Adams locked up for two years now at least. Um, you know, probably a little more stout defensively protecting the the middle that kind of stuff might make it a little easier to play him with with Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, you know, de- definitely a downgrade offensively, no question. Like Valanciunas had an awesome year last year. Uh, and then the other thing is, I think you know the other honest piece of this is they move on from Justice Winslow and they're not going to you know keep keep doubling down on a previous decision that clearly wasn't working. Yeah, I mean that that move turned out to be an unmitigated disaster. And you know, I think Adams him being under contract for another year probably appealed to them as you said with Valanciunas I mean I think you know one more year of Valanciunas would have been fine within their salary structure but two more or or three more years of Valanciunas at the 20 million a year he was likely to want I don't know if he could have gotten that but that was probably what he wanted in an extension right now uh, after the year that he had that wouldn't work because then you've got both 
Jaren's and Jaws extensions on the books and you can't pay a, a center 20 million a year at that point as well and also have some decent guys on the wing so they moved up to 10 some rumors that they may not be done yet in terms of trying to move up even further but at 10 let's say they they stick there presumably that was done with a, a certain player in mind who do you like for them in the draft at that spot yeah I actually don't think it was done with a specific player in mind necessarily I think I think this was more opportunism I think if it, if it had been yeah. about a single specific player you wait until on the clock on draft night and and then you dive in I think this was more opportunism for them that they had three or four guys that they liked that they thought there was a you know maybe 90% or better ch- chance that one of them would get to 10 and and so they said let's do this uh I think could it could it, the, could it sorry but before you move on to that could it also have been David Griffin saying hey free agency starts now and I need to make this be able to make this offer to Kyle Lowry now to have proof that that we well, have the space and the deal yeah, is done I mean, that yeah that could that could very well have been part of it yeah that that urgency but it, no you know what though I think there was a little bit of urgency from the Memphis side too because when you're picking at 17 you can't get anybody in for a workout or an interview or whatever or or you know even in some cases get medical information who's projected to go seven eight nine right the the, the age is just yeah. going to be like no no and not deal with you and so this gives them a little bit of time to uh, uh, like I, you know, I I've heard they're going to be able to like get an interview with Alper and Shangun now, and they're going to be able to you know maybe talk to Jonathan Kaminga. Like that, they'll they'll have a chance to get. Uh, at least some time with these guys to you know finish off their evaluations. Uh, so so I think there that's a little helpful there too. Um, if it, when it really comes down to it, uh, the the two names I hear the most for them, and and it makes sense to me, like they. Uh, would be Josh Giddy and Franz Wagner. Yeah, you know, so I've watched a little. I watched some of Wagner last night, uh, and, and Giddy I haven't been able to see as much of. I mean, none of those guys, neither of those guys, to me, has the potential to be like the third guy in Memphis. Now, picking ten, it's probably not realistic to just be like, yeah, we got the guy that we for sure think is yeah, going to be yeah. that. Um, you know, if. Kaminga falls to them obviously that's a development project but I mean that I think that's someone where you're taking a shot at him and yeah maybe it doesn't work out but he could be that third guy next to John Jaron yeah in the future Giddy is such an on-ball guy that I just I'm not sure how much I care for his fit with Ja and you know Wagner could kind of be yeah that's the part you wonder about exactly exactly can you know can you have like two on-ball guys like that with with Ja and and Giddy at the same time and neither of them much of a shooter. Yeah, do you think that Giddy will improve as a shooter, or is he kind of a you know is it going to be a, a Ricky Rubio type of thing for? Right. For I mean, he he does shoot a little bit like Ricky Rubio, so it's a little it's a little concerning there. Um, and he's also young. I mean, he's young enough that clearly there's the capacity to get better. Uh, but he's going to have to change some things about his motion. So and that's going to be like off season, you know, spending really spending time with a good shooting coach and and working out the kinks. So it's not going to be easy. It it's possible certainly, especially at his age. But uh, that's that's something you at least have to have to wonder about. Certainly, yeah. And he's got good touch.
launcher on the rim and like a decent floater game shot looks a little bit better from mid-range too it'd be nice if like his knees didn't touch each other when he uh wound up for a three-pointer like that's something that they, <laughs> they might want to might want to fix for him and wagner seems actually like kind of like the kyle anderson replacement um but hopefully a, a, a better shooter than that and maybe someone who can play as a four next to jaron jackson if they want to do some switching like i, I kind of see the vision there although i get you know i don't see mm-hmm. the upside with wagner right. necessarily and i'm i'm a little bit worried about him as a shooter but you know i think he'll be an adequate like 35 percent guy you know he's and on a decent volume like his shots his shots kind of weird to me like he shoots it off his chest like a little bit further from the left side of his body so i don't i don't know that he's going to be a great shooter but i think he can be adequate as like a you know a stretch for you know shoot it like jamichael green or something in time which is probably good enough especially if you're playing next to jaron who, who's a, a great shooter so what do you think of, of wagner defensively like is he do you buy that he's really like gonna be a really plus defender in the nba i i mean i thought he was really good at michigan and he's yeah. big he can move his feet on the perimeter he anticipates like i i think he could be pretty darn good yeah yeah i was i was pretty impressed with him yeah my thought was i, I he very rarely would just get beat which is something that you really like he's a little bit more kind of a contained guy than someone who's going to make someone uncomfortable or like make plays on the ball necessarily but he's got good size and i think you know playing in a conventional pick and roll scheme maybe it doesn't work that well but if you're going to switch like i think he can credibly guard most positions right like if you put yeah. him one-on-one against Kawhi and and ask him to stop him you know maybe that's going to be a little difficult for him um that sort of thing but there's also how many guys are, are like that really where you're just like we're fine with this guy guarding Kawhi leonard or luka Doncic and an iso so you know having the versatility like I, th- I think he's going to be at, at minimum a, a solid defender so i agree there i'm not sure i see like you know all defense type upside but i think he's going to be credible across multiple positions yeah um all right well let's let's talk a little bit more about some of these teams in yeah. this six through ten range which is kind of that range is beginning to get really fascinating right now it seems like everyone thinks the magic are going to take scotty barnes so let's kind of just go through a little little mock draft maybe some, some trade possibilities right. of these teams in the in the six through ten range okc at six what are you doing well i think one of the first things that has to be discussed is okc is trying to move up and you know they have all this future draft capital uh teams that they're talking to i think know they have all this future draft capital and so are making crazy demands of them right now but uh they're trying to move up to one potentially. And if they can't get one, I think they're trying to move to three and get Mobley. Uh, so, you know, the, to, for them to go from six, I mean, they have a lot of future picks they can throw in a deal. They could put Shea Gilgis-Alexander Gilgis in a deal potentially. Uh, he's up for an extension. They're, they're not going anywhere right now. Uh, so that would be an interesting element of it as well. Uh, if they end up staying at six, there's been a lot of chatter about James Booknight for them, uh, which I'm I'm a little puzzled by. Like I I like Booknight, but I had there's more never as a, any chatter. There's never any chatter out of OKC, right? Well, like, that's that's unless the other they thing. want it's, there to be. Is this like too obvious a smokescreen, right? Like. 
like that. Yeah, yeah. I did. so well, and, I, and also, also like Jonathan Kaminga, it just fits into the OKC stereotype oh, so perfectly. Hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or or yeah. Barnes, if if he were to be there uh, as well. Um, so this is an interesting one. This idea of Shea Gilgis Alexander, because to me, I think he's a player who's gonna at least make some All Star teams. Uh, and that that is a guy you just a guy on his rookie contract. Like, when's, who's the last guy who had shown All Star upside who got traded on his rookie contract? Maybe that was Drew Holiday, actually. Uh, as who at least as of that time, and I'd say Shea is much, despite the fact that Drew technically made an All Star team. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that Shea is much more accomplished than Drew at the same age. And so, what the hell is the price for someone like that? Right? Like, I don't. Maybe he's you know could make a third team All NBA. I don't see him as being necessarily the best player on a championship team but certainly so he's gonna be a very good player for a long time statistically yeah I mean, his individual statistics were just lights out 62 percent true shooting last year yeah. and granted didn't play that many minutes and, and you know this plantar fasciitis thing where he still isn't okay enough to play for canada is a little concerning but that sort of thing will hopefully resolve uh so like what is the price to move someone like that like it, because if you were to compare your average number one pick with what i expect shay to do like i might say that would be a a little bit less especially when you consider the certainty of shea so you got to yeah. be a real believer in uh in Cade really, cunningham so you because you really, don't want to do a mitch richmond for a mitch richmond for billy owens you know absolutely yeah you're really pricing in the upside here uh shout out the mitch richmond billy owens trade that was a, that was a good blast from the past right there <laughs> But yeah, I think Billy Owens was like number four or something. So that that wasn't he, number he one. He went but... sec- no, he went second overall, didn't he? Oh, was it? I, I, yeah. All right, I'm gonna look this up. Uh, but B- but yeah, Owens so was a, but, was a but, big deal. Yeah, no, they he, that the hype machine was way behind him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he was the third pick actually in 1991. Okay, so we're both wrong. Great. <laughs> <laughs> But but we're both equally wrong. That's the, that's the beauty of it. So um, this uh, this is my question though. If you're OKC, would you offer Shea Gilgis Alexander for Cade Cunningham? The the main reason to do that is contract timing and not basketball to me like i because i don't know if Cade cunningham has superstar upside to be honest like i think he's probably the best player in the draft but i'm not over the moon about him either so like and shay get shay is a known right you're not like having to project here like you you know what you're getting from him for the next several years so it's just a question of that's going to be a little more expensive in the coming years but also, if you're OKC, like who else are you paying over the next four years? Like what? What you need the room so you can extend Isaiah Roby? Like you know what? Exactly. What are we doing here? So, uh, well, well, I guess the the other concern is just that you're going to win too much. That yeah, yeah. So does Shea impact your your pick in 22 or 23? But I I mean the rest of this team is so bad, right? And and I mean. And they've shown, right? They can, if they need a case of tendonitis to come up, they've shown they can deliver on that, yeah. right? 
So, yeah. but, I, but I would, does but does Shea want to do that again? I think is a, is another question, right? But uh, although it does appear that his injury was real, since he's still yeah. not playing for Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, oof, yeah. It, it's a really tough call. I, I you know, I kind of get it. I mean, you're still. I, I've I have probably consistently been lower on Shea Gilgis and Alexander than most, but after the year he had, I think you know I, I kind of have to come around. But you know, there is a thought of like, okay, where are we going with Shea Gilgis Alexander? Uh, I mean, this is, but this is just underscores too what a blow it was for okc to not get anything in the top five uh either that rockets pick or their own yeah. pick i mean they had a pretty good chance of getting at least yeah. one pick in the, in the in or i should say the top four mm-hmm. so and to not even get five either and uh you know thank thank you uh daniel Toro for that one so <laughs> Man, that's a, we're gonna be. We're, I mean, he's the new the new Mark Madsen from that game against the you know the Wolves oh when they were God. trying to keep their yeah. pick. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's maybe the only more egregious one that I can ever think of than that. Yeah. But yeah, that's really interesting. So so let's say they just keep the pick at six. They don't find a trade that's to their liking. You know, they've been linked to Book Knight. You're saying, but who would be the guy that you you would take at six, assuming Barnes goes off the board at five uh, for Orlando? I mean, I'd be really tempted to take out. Alperin Shangun. I, I I understand there are defensive questions, but like to me, he has the best chance of becoming an all-star. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, and I talked about him a little bit with Schmitz. I haven't had a chance to watch as much of him as I would have liked. But I mean, certainly the offensive upside looks really good. And yeah, the Turkish League was down, but these are really dominating stats that he put up to be MVP of that league at 18. And, you know, really to me has just about the whole package offensively. And so you, you, you know, you see some Jokic-esque aspects to his game certainly but he's also not as big as Jokic like that's a little bit of a concern to me like he he needs to be able to play at least be like you know the stand under the rim aspects of being a center because if he's not a center then you know the offense doesn't really work to me Mm -hmm. yeah so so what's your feeling on that aspect for him uh I compare him to Kevin Love a little bit uh so that I mean defensively you definitely worry that he's a four and a half yeah and he's he's gonna have to get better at, at some things at that end. He's also still really young. I don't think his feet are that bad. I think his technique is is rather bad, but that's more fixable. Yeah. Uh, and but the, I mean, the other thing you're gambling on is, I guess, the offensive the offensive end of that just being so good that it ends up. I don't want to say not mattering, but mattering a lot less. Like, and especially compared to the alternatives, like like what's what's James Booknight doing for your defense? Yeah, I thought he was actually okay for that type of a player, but um, I mean, my pick would probably be Kaminga there if, if he were available uh just just because the he, he's so young and he's so athletic and you know he's not he's he's athletic but he and he's not like a stiff like he has at least some level of fluidity and footwork and stuff like I think that's that moldable clay is enough for me where I think especially at six I, I would go there but yeah Shankun is interesting right like I do think particularly with the statistical translations loving him like you can talk yourself into upside with him in a way that you can't for anyone else kind of in this group of your Wagner, Giddy, uh, Book Knight. Book Knight, maybe you can talk yourself into some upside, but I don't like that he's 21 and, you know, we don't need to get into him too, too much. Yeah. But so, uh, you know, Book Knight to me is kind of like, you know, if, if it works out, he's like Monte Ellis, like the good Monte Ellis before he got hurt, who's a, a yeah. good player. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, no, that's a that's a good comp. Yeah, or like J- Jamal Crawford with maybe a little more effort on defense, something like that. Yeah, and, and a little more bounce too. I'd say. I mean, he's got some real. His finishing is really really impressive. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, the the shooting perhaps also. I mean, you know, suppose he's been shooting it great in workouts. So that'll be an interesting. <laughs> That'll be an interesting decision for people. Do you trust the workouts? Do you trust uh, 29% from three, but only in 15 games? If the last year has taught us anything, it's that we don't really need bricks and mortar stores anymore. Going to your local auto parts store really was not a good experience to begin with. In that front area, they never really had anything other than just totally generic stuff. And then you would go to that desk. You probably had to wait in line while the one person who was there at the counter tried to find the part that the person in front of you wanted and then finally when you got up there you'd ask for your part and they'd say oh yeah we can order that it'll be here in two weeks well great i could have just stayed at home and used rockauto.com got my part faster and saved a bunch of money change stores at different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low so go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck. You just put your make and model in there. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. So, all right, then the Warriors is the next one, right? And, you know, having 7-14 and 14 and the what's being said basically is if they can't trade for an all-star level of player and Tommy Shepard, just as we were recording, reiterated that Bradley Beal has not made a trade request. Uh, he's still deciding to decide. Well, okay, Bradley, you got 24 more hours to decide to decide here, probably. Uh, so if they can't get a star and they just need to take someone and, you know, we don't know who's still on the board there, what would you do if you were them i think one of the things you have to consider is drafting for trade value yes. knowing that you're going to be you're going to be making other there's a very high likelihood that you're going to be making a move with this player or pick later in the summer because i think the the warriors are at the front of the line of like teams who were biding their time waiting for bradley beal and or damian lillard to finally get on with demanding a trade so that that that's that's number one. You you want to make sure that whoever you if you have to take somebody there, whoever you end up taking is going to have enough trade value. Uh, and then secondary to that, you you know you are kind of in win now mode, but you don't. I don't think you want to go too far overboard with it, and and uh, you know just just draft somebody who you think is just going to be a role player this season and like has no, it doesn't really do anything for you beyond that. You know, I, yeah. I think they've already lived through this with Jacob Evans a little bit, right? Like that's not, that's not the way to go in the draft. So, uh, 
One guy who I think is interesting for them at seven is Moses Moody because he kind of gives them like he's viable to play right away, but there's also some upside with his, you know, he's young and he, he's, you know, can, can be a guy who maybe becomes more of a scorer. Uh, so, so he gives you some of that too and, and probably maintains a lot of trade value as well. So he, he might be the guy who lets them kind of walk that line. I've heard Josh Giddy's name here too. Yeah, that, uh, I don't think that would make any sense for what they're trying to do. I mean, I know they love passing and intelligence, but uh, just a, another non-shooter for this team would, would be not that great. I mean, you know, I think you, you still largely have to take the best player available uh, to me. And yeah, Steph and Draymond might be annoyed, but, you know, as long as you're not going to just gift the guy some entitlement minutes and kill you like they did with Wiseman last year. and and But, you know, and also last year, let's keep in mind, like they weren't winning the championship last year. Like Klay Thompson wasn't healthy this year they they in theory could potentially do that but no i mean i think you got to just get the best guy and the best asset uh and just move on from there so to me if kumingo is available like yes kumingo will be an absolute disaster if he has to play for golden state this year he's not good at anything like he'll spend the whole year in santa cruz but you still you still just pull pull the trigger on him you know and, and maybe show some flashes and, and he has some trade value or he's just you know maybe he could start to contribute a little bit next year instead you know at least maybe they can fix it so he can guard his position and stuff but yeah i I, you know i just don't see the trade offer out there you know uh, of players you know veterans who would be available for them uh yeah i I mean like if malcolm brogdon is available would you trade him oh and then your other problem too is that you know wiggins they seem pretty high on wiggins and i'm a little lower than him on him than them but he was a valuable player for them like he's if you say all right we're gonna trade andrew wiggins to get like malcolm brogdon right who you're saying available where is available not that indiana would want to do that but just a thought like just to get to the matching salary that's what you kind of have to do you know maybe unless wiseman and looney were involved you might be able to get close there but you know, for any kind of bigger guy who isn't a star, you're probably got to give up Wiggins. And that I don't know if that whoever they bring in is even going to help them that much more than Wiggins is. And you got to pay the other team to take Wiggins. So, and it just seems like the fact that Beal hasn't kind of gotten ready to do this really hurts them or, or uh, any of these other teams uh, as well. So, you know, it's going to be great when Bradley Beal re- realizes that, oh yeah, the Wizards like couldn't even re-sign Ish Smith due to their luxury tax concerns. And then he's going to demand a trade. It's like, we, we know where this is going. How old Neto, man, you just, you can't, you, can't, you just, not only are you going to uh, crap on him every week, but you now you pronounce his name right. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that that is uh th- this uh aggression will not stand so uh magic at eight you know it's kind of nice they have a little bit more leeway and uh, with the with five and eight and you know i think with both five and eight you just go with the best guy available there's no sacred cows on this roster right now so uh, that that seems pretty easy and book night at least yeah good uh, i think for orlando this pick at eight is a primary prime trade down candidate like if somebody dangles something uh juicy in front of them because they already got they already got the guy they like the best at five right so yeah you know you you know whoever's taking it eight was you know <laughs> they had rated lower so they probably weren't quite as excited about so i i could easily see them moving down here and you know a team like memphis or san antonio moving up um, or maybe even further back, you know, somebody moving up, uh, j- just cause I think Orlando's 
at that point too. They realize where they are. They're in asset collection mode. So that, like you say, I mean, there's nothing sacred here in terms of the pick itself, but I also think there's nothing sacred here for them in terms of what they won't do in a trade scenario either. I would love Shingun for them though, if he were available, just as that whoever has, yeah, whoever has the highest offensive upside, that's like the the guy that I would be taking there, particularly if they take Barnes at five. Although I, they surely expect to get a a high pick next year. I mean, they, they are looking like they might be the worst team in the league this year, and intentionally so. Um, but we'll see because uh, a lot of what they're doing, I think Steve Clifford was had to use smoke and mirrors to even get them to the point where they were last year. Like they won like four games more than expected. And they're probably going to be even worse throughout the course of this year with no Vooch all year. Uh, Kings at nine. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I still think OKC will be worse. I think Cleveland might be worse too. Uh, so this is actually something I wanted to talk to you about. There's been a lot of reporting. And now it's particularly with Atlanta and Phoenix doing what they did. How many of these teams are, have we heard? stuff about like oh they really need to be better next year right like who falls into that category you've got pels kings wolves uh calves bulls so uh, all like that's five non-playoff teams who don't necessarily really have a lot like uh, you know enough talent to like actually really make some noise in the playoffs but they're under all this pressure now to chase the ace seed it seems like there's like five teams that are under that so those five and then the wizards and blazers have a gun to their head yeah indiana also you know another team that missed the playoffs like they are surely going to be pushing for that with rick carlisle although they i think they have enough talent in-house that they can just kind of do that organically and and same thing with charlotte and charlotte you know to me they've got more young talent viable young talent that can be the foundation of a solid playoff team on their roster than i would say even the bulls or the the Cavs in their conference maybe even the wizards for that matter <laughs> uh so i mean it does seem like we are set up to to see some interesting win now moves for teams chasing the eighth seed and we've talked about this too of like what the currency you talked about with memphis of the currency of being realistic about where you are while also having higher goals that could be pretty useful to take advantage of some of these teams that are really trying to you know clear out some space or make win now trades with future picks or or whatever it is that these teams are going to try and do Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Memphis making this deal now, that took away a cap room team. And so that's going to be interesting, too, because now, I mean, you still have Oklahoma City out there who's always going to be willing to do business. But you you don't have as much else out there in terms of options for dumping salary because most of the teams that have room now are teams that plan on actually using it. All right, well, let's let's do this format here because this is the last time we're going to talk actually before a lot of free agency is done. So uh, I'll leave it up to you here first. We'll just kind of a, a lot of free some... agency was done three weeks ago, but we won't get into that. <laughs> well, it's not. It's just not going to get reported. Uh, no no sign in trades being reported before the draft this year, right? Uh, let's. Uh, but let's each pick a few teams here. I'll let you go first. Of just your most fascinating teams, where you know, and teams that are kind of going to be the linchpins of free agency. Who do you want to talk about first here? So the team that's kind of interesting that we didn't we didn't talk about before is Dallas, and because they're going to be in on Kyle Lowry too, they're going to be in on Kawhi Leonard if they can. Um, they're they're definitely at 
you know, we talk about these other teams, but Dallas is definitely taking a win now mentality into this. Um, All the, really, this year? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do have Luka Doncic. It's a little more realistic for them. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's that, and then I think there's a perception that it's their last shot at having real cap space for a while because once Luka's giant ex- uh, extension kicks in, that. You know that it's going to be harder for them to to get to big room scenarios. So I think they were kind of hoping Josh Richardson would opt out, and he had a bad enough year that I'm not sure he will. So he could end up being a trade casualty. I mean, they can get to 25 million even even without that, and that might be enough to get Kyle Lowry if the you know depending on other factors, or they you know they could do some other stuff too. Um, yeah, maybe they move Josh Richardson. Yeah, or you could do a sign and trade with Toronto. You know, send him Josh Green. Now you can go to twenty eight million. Uh, so there, there are some options there. Uh, yeah, and trading Josh Richardson, obviously one of them as well. And I, so I, I think they're a really interesting team because they're good and they. I, I don't know if the player is out there that takes them to the next level, but their situation is definitely interesting. For sure. And I think as both a team with money and one of the most desirable teams, and they also, I mean, clearly that Clippers series showed that they need someone to take pressure off of Luka offensively. They also need to get better defensively as well. But, you know, they kind of tried that route last year and it didn't really work that well. And so, you know, Kyle Lowry is a nice fit because he does get them better defensively while also taking some pressure off of Luka but not needing the ball being comfortable playing off the ball being a really good shooter. I mean again other than being 35 he's an unbelievable fit with that team and with his skill set he's an unbelievable fit anywhere yeah yeah I the the fit for Lowry I think is more reasonable in in Dallas or or Miami with where where you're definitely targeting this year or next and you have a realistic possibility of of being a contending team this year and next where I, I just don't really see that in New Orleans even with Lowry there yeah and there's no real like unbeatable boogeyman in the West right now like particularly I mean we don't know what the severity of Kawhi's partially torn ACL like actually Law Murray your colleague at The Athletic had a great article on this that I recommend everyone read uh with a doctor uh Trong Win. but basically what he said is there's two scenarios like either the partially torn ACL was partially functioning still and you can repair around that and that's kind of more of a three to six month thing you know that that's probably what happened to Spencer Dinwiddie in retrospect or you have just those fibers don't function anymore and then you got to just rebuild the entire ACL and then it's just like the normal ACL so we don't know which of those apply applies to Kawhi yet but if it's the second one where he's going to miss the whole year I mean there's there isn't really that team where you're just like terrified of in the West like you if they add Kyle Lowry like I think they got as good a chance of winning it as anyone and certainly at least getting out of the first round which they need to do and might have done both of the last two years if they hadn't just gotten maybe the worst matchup for them so uh yeah there I mean that's and if you're Kyle Lowry and is you got to just be doing backflips right now to see this New Orleans thing happen I mean it seems like like would he really go there uh you know he has he did say publicly years and money talks but that could also just be a way to try to extract some more money out of miami or or dallas too yeah yeah absolutely now he's never gotten like the massive payday that some of these other guys have gotten so so i could see how years and money would talk more for him than a typical uh veteran in this situation but i think at the end of the day the money yeah, on yeah he's only made 175 million dollars in his career so yeah and i mean what what can you even do with that <laughs> but but buy uh better podcasting recording uh software <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, uh, so, uh, but you know, everyone has their own things that make them happy, obviously, but you know, I could see Kyle Lowry going to new Orleans and just being pissed off that they're not that good and, you know, not really helping their culture that much as well. Um, you know, and he may clash a little bit with Luca. Like those guys are both a little bit of difficult personalities. Um, you know, Jason Kidd, head coach Jason Kidd, will have uh, some interesting juggling to do there. But yeah, Dallas is one of the ones to me. And so you know, Dallas and Miami, you're sort of like, okay, uh, both of them need point guards. There really aren't players at other positions that are worth spending on other than point guard that are really going to make you better next year. So. Uh, and you know there's Lowry and Conley Paul you know he's he's an, another one who has got plenty of leverage but what it's coming down to is New Orleans Dallas Miami and of course the Knicks as well I'm not sure exactly what their plan is going to be but it seems like they also want to add players so you got Kyle Lowry and you got Conley and you can throw uh, and you got Paul but throw Phoenix and Utah in there as well as possible places to return there so you've kind of got these four teams I mean call it six teams and you got three guys that are worth spending the money on so where those guys land is going to be fascinating and to me the knicks too i mean they can offer more money than anybody if they wanted to so what do you think their plan is that's another one where they're just there hasn't been as much buzz about them so yeah i I wonder if they're waiting for lillard actually that that yeah it's i i saw that that was you know reported as the most likely destination if he decides to decide to maybe make a decision about getting traded um and i i had heard that separate too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What would your plan be if you were the Knicks this year? So it's interesting because they they're like they they like kind of have this win now mindset, but they're like and they're they're pretty good, but like they're you know they don't have an amazing team, and there's not that guy in free agency who's going to make them one. Uh, pres- presuming they can't get Kawhi Leonard, and so uh, you know, do, do they have conversations with Chris Paul? I, I actually think they they would probably pursue that if that became realistic. Like they, they have enough cap room yeah. to sign him away from Phoenix. I think he's going to end up staying in Phoenix, but uh, th- there isn't really that, that other guy. So like keeping, keeping their powder dry might be their best move or signing, signing one year deals again and kind of, you know, maybe running it back with some of these guys like that, that could end up being their, their best move. Um, you do hear DeMar DeRozan's name come up here too. Uh, which would be interesting, depending on the on the money. Uh, you know, if you're getting a you're getting a better version of Alec Burks, right? Um, will they will they upgrade their medical staff to deal with all the concussions that their players get running into each other inside the arc uh, on offense? <laughs> but uh, it, you know, but the other part of this is. No matter what else they do, at some point they do need to address the point guard situation too. So if they don't get one of these top guys, I think they're going to be a major player for Lonzo Ball actually, uh, and you know it could be for Dinwiddie as well if they miss out on all those all those other guys. Well, and they could be in the situation where that Miami and Dallas and Toronto found them in, themselves in last year, where none of those teams signed guys for longer than a year. You know, Miami lost Jay Crowder over that, for example thinking that guys would be available in 2021 and then they weren't and we we did that whole podcast on all the extension candidates a, a few months ago and we don't know what's going to happen with any of those guys like there could it could be a massive free agent class in 2022 or they could all sign extensions and there'd be nobody and so if you're the Knicks you you assume they bring back Randall for 30 million a year that probably happens so now you've got 50 million
million in space knock off you know another 10 for draft picks and stuff in the future or maybe you know a low level multi-year contract so anyone that you sign to a big deal that goes longer than one year you probably will not have max space in the summer of 2022 if you do that now you could always uh open it up in some form or fashion they have a the extra dallas pick in 23 you know you can always get off a 10 million bucks in money if you need to um oklahoma city exists but that's going to be a consideration for them of and so the biggest reason they're such a mystery to me is i just have no idea what they think of their team and their future are they like hey we were the fourth seed in the east we make one more addition and we can be in contention for the number one seed or they're like hey you know we kind of took some steps forward we were a great regular season team the defense under under thibodeau but we kind of got exposed in the playoffs and we need to be realistic that we're you know two or three years away and we got to add more players and that you know signing a, a chris paul or a kyle lowry um you know spencer dinwiddie is someone who i think would be interesting for them depending on what the price is um have you heard anything on him by the way so not a lot i think and i think it's because he's the guy that everyone turns to after their top choices are gone and right and so he, he's the consolation prize right so like no, nobody is break breaking down his door maybe at 6 p.m on august 2nd but as as this process plays out you're going to see teams turn to him when that when their other options are taken away yeah and i think there's a reasonable possibility just because he's 28 that he gives you more production over the life of his what his contract is going to be than conley or lowry or or probably not paul because paul it's gonna be a superstar in, in year one probably still but uh so i mean that's something to consider as well if you're a team that's a little bit younger playing for a little bit more of the future that it, he could be a better option there if you're not necessarily going to be winning the championship next year or you know a, a serious contender so i'm very interested to see how his market plays out and whether the teams that miss on lowry or conley are going to come with a big offer to him or whether they feel like ah, he's not even as good as dennis schroeder he's, he's one of these guys i just have no idea what his market is but if you look at what he did in 1920 when irving was out like that's pretty impressive stuff to me at least i know some people are, are lower on him than i am yeah i mean he's shown he's shown the capability to be the you know the heliocentric uh, center of an offense so that's that's something that not that many players can say uh and, and you know his size as well is defensively like he's solid there we'll see whether he can improve his off ball game you know we just haven't seen him in that role that much on a real team because they he's been playing a lot of minutes without uh anyone else to handle the ball but he's a better catch and shoot guy than he is uh, off the dribble but just has been on, on low five bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing you can track all the action at bet online you get the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. This team's prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty good. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget the promo code locked on to let them know that you came from this network. Let's do one more team and then we'll get into uh, uh, some of the speaker requests or, or the discussion here. Who do you want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, 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 we talked about gold state a little 
We talked about New York. We haven't really talked about Washington, who's sitting there at 15 and is dealing with this Beal situation and a tax situation. Like it's like how do, how do they even how do they even get better? Um, we we've heard some discussion about maybe a Westbrook trade with the Lakers. Um, ah. I suppose would be really interesting. <laughs> that would be that would be, that would be crazy. The, the Lakers would be paying luxury tax out the yin yang with, with a deal like that. Um, but th- they're in a really weird spot. They're at a weird point in the draft. I like I don't I don't love the teams in the in the draft this year. I think there's like kind of a cliff around pick ten, and then you get into a lot of speculative types after that. Uh, they're they're in a, they're in a hard set. Like, what do you do with Bertans and that contract? Uh, you know, what do you what do you do with you know? Is Isaac Bongo worth keeping? Is it, I don't know. There's just a lot of questions there. These, these bigs are free agents. Len and Lopez. Like, I don't know. There's some promising things there. I guess. Like, you got Gafford there, right? Hachimura got better. Uh, you know, Thomas Bryant will be back. Like, I just uh, like. <laughs> Chandler Hutchison could take a step forward. I, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really banking on that. Um, no, but uh, it just it just feels like 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 last year was the apex. Like, okay, we could be the we could be the eighth seed if everything breaks right. No, I I agree with you, and I think I expect the rest of the East to be better this year. I think the the East had a really down year, and the Wizards, frankly, were very lucky to get in to be the eighth seed. There, uh, even in the play in, all the teams around them had a ton of injuries, which they didn't necessarily and they had to close like on that crazy run now you'd say oh westbrook was recovering from the quad injury at the start of the year he played better uh but yeah i mean you know they've key free agents and they have you know maybe they can sign like five million dollars in contracts to stay below the tax so i'm just not sure what these guys do other than potentially moving beal you know i think bertans can be better than he was last year where he said he basically didn't play at all during the pandemic so that that i think can help them a little bit and maybe his trade value would go up or he could actually just make some shots and be the guy that they signed him to be but no i mean this is like this is not a good team they're not they don't have a way to get to be a good team like their their roster just in terms of the players on it unless they get internal improvement is probably going to be worse like they don't have the money to sign a robin lopez this year right because you got the cap not really going up Beal making six million more, Westbrook making three million more, and that eats up your Robin Lopez or Ish Smith space below the tax. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been arguing for the last year that Washington's best move is actually to trade Beal, whether he wants to be traded or not, because well, that's the per- only way. That's the only way off this treadmill. I, I've been arguing that since the summer of 2019. Uh, yeah, well, and they got him to resign. Or you were listening to them because I'm cooler than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's probably t- that, that's probably technically true. You are uh, you got a few years on me. Um, all right, let's uh, let's now get into the chat here. Let's let's do it. Actually, let's just do this out of the chat. I think that'll be more fun, and then we can add this onto the podcast more easily as well. So let's see here uh we got a question about uh miles mcbride i have not watched him uh but john what are your thoughts on miles mcbride uh, in the draft i'm a big fan of mcbride uh i think he's a uh so small smaller guard probably only six two but very long arms six nine wingspan uh shoots a lot of pull-ups doesn't doesn't get all the way to the rim uh probably plays a little more as a scorer slash shooter uh but very very tough on defense physical Pressures the ball, but doesn't foul. 
which which I think is a you know a pretty unique combination. Like when you watch these college guards, like you'll you'll see some of them you know go crazy trying to press the ball, but then they you know they're picking up two fouls ninety feet from the basket and putting the other team in the bonus. And McBride was able to do that and get his hands on a lot of balls and still had a very low foul rate. Uh, I, I think he's really interesting. Like there are aspects of him that remind me of Kyle Lowry uh, in terms of like, and just like almost this football player mentality to how he plays the game. I don't think he's going to be as good as Kyle Lowry. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's as athletic off the bounce, uh, but I think he's going to be a nice player. I have him 17th on my board. I think he's not going to end up going that high. I think he's going to end up in the 20s or 30s, and I think he's going to be a great pick for whoever takes him. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Oh, all right. That is uh, relatively glowing praise there. Uh, Patrick King's champ asks, uh, do you expect Marvin Bagley to be a draft night trade, and what pick range is he worth in this year's draft? He has a year left on his rookie deal, making uh, $11.3 million. So, uh, Patrick, you're talking about what pick they would have to attach to him to move him, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably more what we're looking at with Marvin. Uh, I do expect the Kings to make a trade because otherwise they can't keep Rashawn Holmes. And I do think keeping Rashawn Holmes is pretty important for them. Uh, There's going to be competition. I mean, Charlotte's going to be able to pay him. Uh, I'm blanking on the other team. who Toronto. Toronto. Thank you. Yeah. Was being talked about as a destination there. Yeah. So it's going to be really competitive there. Uh, but they just have nothing at center if Holmes goes. And even if they take, like, let's say they take Shangoon at nine, I still think you're not just, like, riding into the season with Shangoon and, like, Chemezi Medu and calling it good. So I, I do expect them to, to make a deal, whether it's Bagley or Buddy Heald, uh, somehow they got to get themselves enough wiggle room, uh, so that they can either bring back homes or sign another real center. Yeah, I, I don't know if you heard. They're under a lot of pressure to be better this year. <laughs> um, like, yeah, we, I think can we just can we just go forty and forty two and lose in the first round? Like that would be that would be so awesome if we could just do that. The the first round of the play in, yeah, uh, yeah, that counts, right? So, that that ends the streak, doesn't it? Right. Uh, so if you're San Antonio or OKC, those are really the two teams I think would want to do it to trade for Bagley. I mean, like, would you do it for a second? Like, does he have enough upside left that you're like, yeah, we'll take a flyer on this guy. Let's see how he plays here. It's interesting. I mean, it's it's a one-year, $11 million deal at this point, And then you have restricted free agency rights if you want. Yeah. And he's clearly overpaid at $11 million for what you expect for him this year. Like, he's not a starting caliber player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, possibly. I mean, you know, if you attach pick 39, is that enough? I, I mean, I think that's a, that's an interesting one for San Antonio, especially because I mean, o- Oklahoma City's in a weird position because they they're kind of not even not not even trying to be anything for a while. Whereas whereas San Antonio like has some pieces in place and kind of you know if they get the right guy or two that, that can rebound there pretty quickly, right? So yeah, uh, I think he's I think I do think he's he's pretty interesting there. Um, plus. Uh, you know, he's not a three-point shooter, so he'll fit right in. Yeah. No, I mean, now that Pop is playing uh, Adebayo and Draymond Green together on Team USA, you could play Pirtle and Bagley together, right? That sounds like he went away from that. But I haven't had a chance to actually to watch much of, it, of that. But, uh, okay, what are the odds that Josh Giddy goes in the top 10 as uh, Scott Phillips? Extremely high. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's possible he could last to like 11 or 12, I guess, but I think he's almost certainly going to end up in the top 10 from what I'm hearing. Um, 
Who are the Warriors targeting at 14? I mean, maybe if we, uh, I haven't heard anything specific on that. I don't know if you have, but we can at least talk about their options there. Yeah, I mean, the two names you hear with Golden State are Davion Mitchell and Chris Duarte, who are like two of the oldest players in the draft, but two guys who could theoretically help them right away. Uh, you know, Mitchell would be more of like a, a ball pressure guard uh, who, you know, kind of be the third guard in that rotation, I guess. Uh, with, with Steph and Clay and could play with them at times, you would hope. Uh, Duarte is he's 24 years old, but he's he's a plug-and-play like rotation wing. I, I don't know if he's ever good enough to be a starter, but I think he can be a rotation guy right away. So I think there's a, some appeal uh, there for like Golden State at 14, Washington at 15, Knicks at 19. Like, I think those teams are all looking at Duarte like, okay, not crazy upside, but for our goals this year, he might really help us. Um, yeah, you know, Mitchell, I think, you know, having not watched as much of him, but I think my biggest question on him is, can he guard bigger players as well? I mean, it's obviously his defense is very impressive, and I think, you know, his shooting is kind of good enough. I mean, that's one of those ones where it's like, do you trust the film, which was relatively pretty good on that in his last year? And, you know, he was taking some pretty tough shots to shoot 44 percent uh but also shoots poorly from the free throw line and, and it took a big step forward at 22 on his three-point shooting which you're wary of from a statistical standpoint so he's kind of an an eye test versus stats guy and you know also the eight being age 22 that's a that's a stat uh as well but i think at that point in the draft it would be reasonable because like even if you if you draft patrick beverly at 14 and he has the career that patrick beverly did like that's a good pick Right. And so, um, you know, and, and I think Mitchell isn't exactly the same as Beverly. And I don't know if he has the toughness to like switch the way that Beverly has been able to do in his career. Uh, but he, I think he's got more offensive juice uh, than Beverly as well. Um, so this is an interesting one here from Nick. Do you think it would be smarter for New Orleans to operate as an over-the-cap team, retaining ball and heart and keeping the non-taxpayer Emily plus an $18 million trade exception from the Bledsoe trade? I would say maybe, but there's a... Uh, if you could then sign someone in a sign and trade with that trade exception, like that would be pretty nice. Now that's probably not enough to get you Lowry. It might be enough to get you, you know, one of the good wings and, and then also retain ball at the same time, right? Like you, I think like Evan Fournier would be a really nice fit with what they're trying to do or Tim Hardaway Jr. to add that level of shooter and uh, playmaker at the two and also hold on to ball and hard. I'd have to see where the math would go in terms of the tax there, but that's an interesting idea. On the other hand, do you make a move like they just did and give up that type of draft capital to do something just to do that? Eh, you know, maybe, uh, but it seems like they would want to try and make the big splash first, but they, they have the optionality to do that that seems more like a fallback to me definitely because right yeah at the end of the day then you gave up that draft capital just to be able to probably give up more cap draft capital to do a sign and trade for a guy i i I have a hard time seeing that. Generally, you're not doing a deal like that for the trade exception. Uh, the uh, the other thing here, I think, is just an overall perception that they can't just run it back, that they have to do something different there. And, and I think we already saw it with that trade. But So I, I question if Ball and Hart are going to be back or both be back, certainly, uh, j- just because of that. But there's a, I think there's an underlying sense of like they got to shake this up somehow. And and that may be slightly irrational, but I, it's it's definitely a vibe I get. 
All right, we got about eight minutes left here. A lot of questions here in the uh, in the chat about like Scotty Barnes potentially going fourth. Is there uh, a, a chance of that happening to to the Raptors, and uh, would that be a good move? That there is absolutely a chance of that happening. I I like Scotty Barnes better than Jalen Suggs. I'm in the minority on that. Um, what's interesting with Barnes is that there's some skill overlap there with Ananobi and Siakam. So are you do like are you planning on going forward with those three guys at your forward position, or is that the prelude to something else? You know, could you turn around and do something with Siakam then maybe? Um, because Suggs is a little bit more plug-and-play to the core they have right now. Uh, we sure. can play him next to Van Bleet, and he just takes over Lowry's role, and you're you're off and away. But I, I do think Barnes, like, I, I think he has a lot of upside to be a really good wing. Uh, I know you're concerned about his shooting, Nate, and we discussed this last week. Uh, so that I, I think that's a really interesting choice Toronto has, and I, I – I do think it's possible they go Barnes at four. Like, I don't think it's a done deal that the pick is subs. Yeah, Toronto is one of those teams we didn't have a chance to discuss in depth, but... They're another one where I just, I don't know what their front office is thinking right now. And the fact that they've been linked to Jared Allen in free agency, that kind of makes me think if that's really true, that they want to just, you know, sign a center and, you know, you draft Jalen Suggs and you just run this team back next year. But, you know, Masai Ujiri was like, yeah, what do I care about the play in? And, you know, that team, even as we talked about, is not a championship contender. They don't have much flexibility going forward. And so it does seem to me like there's plenty of blow it up potential there in Toronto as well if they were to find the right deal they've been linked to maybe some Ben Simmons trades and maybe reported on that today that they're at least involved in some of those discussions Woj just tweeted about this Sixers trying to get a, a deal done for the draft but also that talks could continue into the summer because the asking price is really high for Simmons which is going to be interesting and, and I also to me I guess on Simmons it feels like that situation doesn't resolve until the Beal and Lillard situations resolve what do you think of that I think they may resolve simultaneously I mean well, right. one of the yeah. things that's holding back <laughs> Philadelphia from making a move is that they want to trade for Beal or Lillard right so uh I I, I do think that's a reason that Simmons' situation goes later in the summer. Yeah, and Daryl is all about trading for stars. And, you know, perhaps he might move Simmons in a deal that he thinks gets them him more palatable assets to trade for stars uh, as well. But, you know, it just it doesn't seem like for him the, you know, a CJ McCollum trade is going to happen when you still have Beal or Lillard out there with Simmons perceived as this piece that those teams might like uh, and so so maybe it doesn't have and you know keith pompey i think said that you know it might take until preseason before simmons gets moved as well but it does seem like it just it it's like it has to happen but you also don't see the obvious way that it can right at this moment yeah absolutely um let's see here one more uh any chance the draft doesn't start cunningham green and mobley as the top three chain s uh I think those are going to be the top three. I would be very, very surprised if those were not the top three. Uh, even if there are, are trade-ups or whatever, I, I, I think that is 
pretty much in stone at this point uh all right last one here this one i i will default to you does trey man go in the top 25 i'm gonna say no um i wasn't that blown away by him and I, I know some other people are a little higher on him, but I think if he goes in the first round, it'll be the last five picks in the first round. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say no on top twenty five for him. Although I will add the caveat that after after about twenty, this this thing becomes a real dart throw. Last one. Margot asks, will Ben Simmons be traded before the draft tomorrow? No, no. I'd be very surprised by that. Yep, I, I'm going to say the same. That's going to go later in the summer. And so is Lillard and so is Beal. And that's why it's going to be a weird draft because these teams are that want to get in on that are kind of in a holding pattern right now while they while they while they wait for the other shoe to drop. What did you think of the idea to have free agency before the draft? Did you like that idea? No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I, um, because like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like the year we drafted Jaron Jackson Jr. Well, if we had drafted, you know, if he had been selected second or third and we drafted somebody else who played a different position, you know, with a high lottery pick. Well, if we had already signed that position at free agency, right? Like you, you, it's just really hard for a for for a team to add players not knowing what positions they're getting in the draft. So and it's also I think people use the draft to position themselves for free agency. So it's just a natural uh, natural kind of process. And then the other well, thing people yeah. the other thing people forget is that free agency has a start date, but it doesn't have an end date. And so like it's it's going to still be going on at some level even while the draft is happening. Uh, so I, I think that creates some complications too. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And also, like, you can basically start free agency at the draft anyway, right? Like, you know, a lot of these moves that get made at the draft aren't even legal until after free agency and the new cap year has started. And yeah, certainly if, if you get, particularly for teams that are drafting high, where you draft it and some of these bad teams, that, that can really affect what you're doing. Like, I think like the draft is more important in basketball than football that does it the opposite way because just you know any any one individual player that you get in the draft is just going to be more important particularly at the top of it so yeah i would like to keep it that way and just you know we know that this current system works and there might be some unintended consequences like i don't see a reason to mess with it like it's not to me unless it's just like so obviously better you don't change it up which i don't think that it is like there's maybe there's a few pluses there's a few minuses but it's like why change it if you know that what you have has worked for 75 years completely agree uh maybe not quite that long Okay, well, uh, this podcast was not quite 75 years long either, but thanks so much for joining us. This was a, a ton of fun to do, and uh, we'll get a chance to dissect free agency next week, probably at the same time, but uh, always keep your eye out on Twitter if we need to change up, but usually 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific, and we'll talk to you next week. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.